0: Thank you, Winter, thank you, Heather, thank you, Julie. Appreciate all that music and all the thoughts that went into it. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Well, if you're a Bengals fan, you probably come in in a bad mood tonight. Hey, listen, everything's still all right in heaven. Uh, Last week, we started... Talking about a practical doctrine that by large is poorly understood in our culture, And unfortunately, failing to understand this practical doctrine just aids and hastens the deterioration of our culture. I do think some of God's people understand rightful authority and how it applies to being a leader and a follower, but uh, we are all influenced by the culture around us. We're affected by it in subtle ways. And let's just be honest, our flesh hates authority. As I said last week, I'm not teaching on this subject because I'm aware of a problem. I'm teaching on this subject because I want the Lord's church here and I want our homes to be more like God designed them to be. You know, listen, when God's plan is learned and followed in our homes and in His church, uh, all of us are more secure, all of us are more blessed than doing things our own way. Authority, of course, is the power to command, to enforce laws, to exact obedience, to judge a person or a situation as being right or wrong. And when we started this series last week, we began with the beginning, how that God, our Creator, is the ultimate authority. And because He is a Creator, He makes the rules. He chooses any consequences that occur for breaking them. He chooses whatever blessings result from obeying His rules. Uh, And as I said last week, uh, probably everybody here, uh, or at least most everybody here would agree with that or you wouldn't likely be here on Sunday night. Uh, But we also made note of the fact that though God is the ultimate final authority, uh, He cannot be visibly seen today. He cannot be audibly heard today. And because of that, God has delegated some of His authority to His words. See, in the Bible, we can see and we can hear Uh, what God's authority is supposed to be. Uh, We made note then that in the Bible, the only infallible and inerrant source of authority on earth today, God, who is the ultimate authority in His Word, He delegated some of His authority in His Word to certain people in certain situations. We saw how God delegated some of His authority to husbands over their own wives. Uh, Not all men over women, husbands over their own wives. See the authority of a husband over his own wife, that comes from God. Uh, It's not authority to use how a husband wants to use it, It it's authority from God to use how God wants it to be used. And a wife's submission to the authority of God in her marriage, it is not even on display, Is not even being tested at all until she doesn't agree with what her husband wants to do on an issue that's neither in or out of the Bible. We also saw how God delegated some of his authority to parents over their own children, not all adults over all kids, parents over their own children. The authority of a parent over their own children comes from God. It's not the authority for a parent to do what a parent wants to do. It's authority from God for a parent to do what God wants to be done with those children. And a child's submission to the authority of God in the home is not tested, it is not on display until they don't agree with what their parent wants from them on an issue that's neither in or out of the Bible. And it's very good for you and I to understand these biblical principles to allow them to shape our thinking, to shape our decisions so that we can have more of our Creator's blessings in our life, to have His blessings on our marriage, on His home. Uh, God's plan Uh, It brings security. It brings stability. It brings blessing. I think most of us find it most difficult to submit to rightful authorities we know best uh, because we know their flaws best. Making husbands and parents among the most difficult authorities to follow. But we need to be aware of these natural struggles in our heart with authority, or we will mistakenly think that the people we now follow uh, would be better if we replace them. In fact of the matter is, is, in the vast majority of cases, those who we would replace them with, we just don't know them well enough to understand. They have just as many negatives as the first authority we have issues with. And so tonight we're going to pick up again on this subject of rightful authority and leading and following, because it isn't just that God delegated some of his authority to his word and then in his word to husbands and parents. Uh, If you're able to stand, if you would stand tonight, please, in honor of God's word tonight, uh, the title of our thought is just God's authority in our life. It's uh, part two, and I think I've got eight or nine parts, so... You say, why don't you come up with a new title each week? Because Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now notice that phrase there, who have rule over you. That phrase occurs three times in the Bible. It's all in Hebrews 13. We're going to read all of them in a moment. And in context, it's going to define those who rule over us as those who speak unto us the word of God. Notice then in verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable. For you, And certainly those principles there are applied to every leader, but most especially to those who rule over us in the context of verse 7, those who speak the word of God to us. Oh, by the way, don't get angry at me. I'm just teaching the Bible. Verse 24, salute all them that have the rule over you. All the saints, they of Italy salute you. That word salute, when you be, read that in the Bible, it doesn't mean to you know, put your... Uh, hand against your forehead and go like that, like a military thing. It's like our word salutations. It means to uh, embrace, to enfold in the arms. Thank you. You might be seated. As we begin our thought tonight, it is not that just God delegated some of his authority in his word to husbands and parents. We also see that there's authority of a pastor over the church where they lead. I'm not talking about this because there's a problem here I'm aware of. Listen, we always have problems here with authority. Uh, Listen, we have uh, 410 members. There are 90 minor children who are linked with those 410 members. There's another 80 or 100 people who are not members here, who only come here, and so our church, just in practical terms of who's linked with it today, it's about 600 people and you don't get 600 people doing anything without having authority issues. But thank God to my knowledge you don't have anything unusual going on. Now teaching on authority is a difficult subject anyway because for the most part we all hate rightful authority unless it's our own. And I had enough struggles last week to be clear and honest as we talked about rightful authority with husbands and wives and rightful authority with parents and children but this particular Aspect of rightful authority is even more difficult. Uh, carnally minded people and people who are cynical just assume that I'm teaching this for my own personal benefit or personal promotion. And quite frankly, this aspect of rightful authority is difficult because I know a lot of people here, you've been in situations in other churches where someone misused and abused their position of spiritual authority. And you were there and you watched and you saw how the work of God and the people of God, and many times you personally or someone who's close to you was hurt by someone in spiritual authority. But understand that God himself is the ultimate authority and he delegated some of his authority to his word and then his word he delegated some authority to some people in some circumstances. And here... We're told in verse 7, God tells us to remember and to follow those who have the rule over us, who speak unto this word of God. And in that particular context, that word follow is very similar, the root word to the word from which our word mimic comes from. That's God's instruction. Notice his next instruction in verse 17 is that we should obey and submit those to those who lead us in The Lord's work in verse 17, we don't like those words, but obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. You may do it with joy, not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. And then, as we saw in the last of those three uses in the New Testament of that phrase, rule over you, in verse 24, to salute, to embrace, to enfold in the arms, to hold them dear to those who Lead us spiritually in one of the Lord's churches. Now, few words are less popular with our flesh than things like follow, obey, and submit. The fact of the matter that we don't like them doesn't really matter because God chooses those words to describe the way He intends spiritual leaders and spiritual followers to interact with one another. God has delegated some of His authority in each local assembly of believers to a pastor. And then from a pastor to ministry leaders over ministries. Listen, God didn't give authority to pastors to do what they want to do. God didn't give authority to do pa- pastors to do what the congregation wants to do. God didn't give authority to pastors to do what this world wants to do. God gave authority to those in that position to do what he wants done. Listen, the authority of a pastor over an assembly of believers, assembly he shepherds, has nothing to do with Baptist tradition. It has nothing to do with denominational preference. It is simply an order God established in his churches. It's no different from the order God established in the home with a husband and wife. It's no different than the order God established in the home with parents and children. It's an order he established in his churches, one equal submitting to another equal to fulfill the plan of God and fill those roles he designed. God told a pastor and people how to interact with one another. And then he allows his people to pick the person with whom they were interacting in that manner. By the way, it's very similar to how God handles husbands and wives. God says, hey, listen, this is how I want a husband and wife to to interact, and then you choose the person with whom you interact in that matter. And and by the way, that choice is supposed to be for a lifetime. Uh, In the case of a pastor and people, God says, hey, listen, this is the way I want you to interact with my spiritual leader, and you choose them, but it's not a permanent choice. I don't think it's a flippant choice. I don't think it's something we should be easily getting in and out of. But listen, it is not like a husband and wife where God says, till death do us part. And ironically, God then, who allows uh, the sheep to pick the shepherd with whom they will interact in that manner, uh, God basically then uh, says to a pastor, this is how I want you to interact with the people who choose you. He said that in verse 17. He says, I am to watch for your souls because I will give an account to God (laughs) on purpose. When we think about the role of a pastor in a church, he say, why are you saying this? I want us to understand in a day and age when churches are being misled by elder rule, when they think actually that God established a committee of leaders in a church, I want you to understand that's false doctrine. When Jesus in Revelation 2 and 3 wanted to address seven churches in Asia, he addressed each one very simply to the angel of the church in Ephesus, uh, angel in the sense of messenger, singular. Even in the large church of Ephesus, where they had many elders, there was one elder Jesus held most responsible. In fact, if you and I were to go to the book of Acts, when they made the decision in Acts chapter 15 about how to handle false doctrine, uh, the people spoke up and the leaders spoke up. And then in the end, James said, my decision is blah, blah, blah. The reason a pastor has authority in the church he leads is that God has delegated some of his authority to a pastor over that flock. This is not the authority of clergy over all lay people. It is the authority of a pastor over the Lord's church he's been called to lead. And though I believe all men of God should be treated with respect, treating all men of God with respect is different from any man of God thinking they have authority over every believer. Hear me when I say this, I have no authority in any other local church or over any other group of believers. By the way, I have no authority over what you decide to do in your own home. Uh, That is your realm as a husband and as a parent. And I have, on a couple of occasions, asked for some things from people away from here, but asking for something and having authority, that is two different things. And like all other delegated authority, all of us struggle from time to time with the authority over a, of a pastor over the church. By the way, that's one of the reasons we make a big deal here about anybody who stays 10 years. If you're here 10 years, there will have been a lot of times when you didn't like something I did. There will be a lot of times when you didn't like how I said something. There are going to be a lot of times when you feel like I failed you personally, and I may have. I've told you many, many times I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace I'm not standing here because I'm better I simply stand here because God called and gifted me to fill this role in one of his churches and if you're here 10 years we will have worked through a lot of ups and downs together and that's why it's a great accomplishment the reason pastors have authority is not because they're smarter it is not because they're wiser it's not because they're more knowledgeable it's not because they're more spiritual though All pastors should be spiritual people. It is because God decided that that was the way he was going to handle authority in each of his churches. Every church whose pastor is not behaving in a spiritual manner, mark it down, that church will be a mess. Every church where they have a godly leader that people refuse to follow, understand that that church will also be a mess. Sometimes church, churches have good leaders that rebellious people choose to follow, refuse to follow. Sometimes churches have lazy and selfish leaders who ought to get out of the ministry. Sometimes churches have leaders who are corrupt, and the people need to get rid of them or quietly move on. By the way, thank God for churches with godly leaders whose people genuinely and sincerely just try to follow their human leadership as best as they can. By the way, I thank God for you. I, I get it. You and I have our dust-ups here and, and, and there, and uh, that's a part of working together. But I thank God for the most part, we just get along. You and I would be surprised how just a simple effort to love God with all of our heart and to love one another, how it would help us work through all of those situations. You see, people have been placed by God in the body of the church are supposed to do what the spiritual leaders want. When the Bible is silent, we obey those church leaders where they provide leadership. When our leaders contradict the Bible, we should obey the Bible (laughs) because spiritual leaders have no authority to contradict the source from which they get their authority. I have said a hundred times from this pulpit, don't you dare follow me if I'm disobeying this book. This book is the only inerrant and infallible authority there is on this planet. When our leaders and the Bible provide no direction, you're free to do whatever you want. And when any of us cannot persistently follow leadership in a church on issues where the Bible is silent, it's time to quietly leave and find another leader we can follow. I have told a 100 people, who have visited here and talked to me about things like this, I would say something like this. Listen, I don't know what church you belong in. I do know this, is that God has told us how you're supposed to interact with that spiritual leader, and you need to find a place where you can interact with that spiritual leader in a way God taught us to. You say, why do you tell people that instead of just trying to get them to come here? Because it's in the Bible. It isn't in the Bible that everybody's supposed to come here. Uh, By the way, I don't even believe I'm supposed to pastor everybody that visits here. Uh, We have about one in 10 or 11 people that visit here. We've averaged 7.8 or 9 first-time visitors a week here now for 17 years. We've had only 11 weeks in 17 years where we didn't have at least one first-time visitor, and five of those 11 were during COVID. Hey, listen, I do not believe that everybody who comes here is supposed to be a member here. But if God moves you here, this is the order God established in every one of his churches. Now, most problems with leadership in biblical churches has nothing to do with a leader going against God's word. No pastor is perfect, but generally speaking, and I know a fair amount of them, they're good and sincere men. Generally speaking, I get it. There are bad apples in every basket. But generally speaking, uh, most pastors are good and sincere men who want to please Christ. Uh, God knew that pastors and ministry leaders would not be perfect when he delegated some of his authority to them in one of his churches. But God decided that that was the way he wanted authority handled in his church. Let me ask you, have you decided to submit yourself to rightful authority in the church where God has placed you? Uh, listen, just like every other authority, uh, our submission to rightful authority, it is untested until a situation arrives where you don't agree. Hey, listen, if, something, if you and I don't agree and it's in the Bible, we ought to agree with whatever the Bible is. But if you and I don't agree and it's in the Bible and it's in the church, uh, listen, God established an authority here. Now, please don't hear me to say, that doesn't mean I don't want you to come to me privately and say, Brother Wally, why are we doing this? Or, Brother Wally, why why are we doing this instead of that? Listen, honest questions are healthy. It's a good thing. But now that we've spent some time talking about the source of our authority and none of us like it, We don't like authority in in the marriage. We don't like authority in the home. We don't like authority in the church. We don't like authority in the government. And truth be told, uh, we only theoretically like God's authority. We we only like God's authority when God's doing something we want. And when God uses his authority to bring something in our life or handle us in a way that we don't like to be handled, we don't like God's authority. But what I'd like to do is now that we've spent a little time talking about the source of authority and delegated rightful authority, what I'd like to do is consider one of the areas that causes the most problems between leaders and followers. Please go in your Bible to Luke 7. By the way, I said when we began this series, this isn't a very exciting series, but it is one of the most practical, helpful series of truths we could ever hear and apply to our life. By the way, show me a pastor who likes to use his authority in a church, and I'll show you somebody who's not ready for it. Um, For the most part, I hate being in the middle of anything. But sometimes I'm in it. (laughs) Real quiet in here. You know, we're such rebellious people. We really are my hands up Luke chapter 7 verse 30 says but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him in other words uh, because the Pharisees and the lawyers they refused to repent and be baptized uh, by John the Baptist they were rejecting the counsel of God God had sent John the Baptist. John the Baptist's message was God's message. And so when the Pharisees and lawyers rejected John, they were rejecting God. And notice what Jesus is going to say. Uh, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? Now what are they like? They're likened to children sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another and saying, We've piped unto you, you've not danced. We've mourned unto you, and you've not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and... You say, he hath a devil. The son of man is come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Uh, you see, leaders and most people in Jesus' day, they rejected John the Baptist as well as Jesus of Nazareth. That's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, John the Baptist, his birth was... Huh, <laughs> prophesied by an angel. His ministry was spoken of 700 years before he was born by Isaiah and 400 years before he was born by Malachi. And he lived a life that the Spirit of God says that he was filled with the Spirit from the womb. And yet they rejected him, and they rejected him uh, in verse 33 because basically he was too strict. He lived in the desert, he ate uh, (laughs) wild animals, honey and, and he ate bugs and he lived in the desert and they basically attributed his strictness to the devil and said, so John, you're too strict. We're not going to follow you. And then basically in verse 34, they rejected Jesus of Nazareth because he was too loose. You know, John, they rejected because in their own mind, he was too strict. Jesus, they rejected because he was too loose. He, he hung out at times with uh, publicans and sinners and he, he didn't eat like he want, they wanted him to eat. He uh basically the bridegroom was there and so you know the guests and the friends of the bridegroom they're they're celebrating. There there would be a time for, for them to be sad. Uh but he was too loose and so they rejected him. I mean one was too strict so they wouldn't follow. The other was too loose so they wouldn't follow. It's just like a bunch of kids in the in the playground, playing in the temple, and say, hey, we're playing instruments, be happy. Oh no, we're pretending it's a funeral, be sad. And nothing could keep them happy. It's very easy to fall in the trap into which the Jews fell, where we consider uh, when we think about those who lead us and those who follow us. I mean, understand this, when we're looking for a reason to reject someone to whom God has delegated authority, we'll always find one. Uh, One end of the spectrum or the other. They're too pushy. They're too laid back. I'm not going to follow. They're too confident. I'm not confident enough. I'm not going to follow. They're too strong as a leader. No, they're, uh, they're not strong enough. I'm not going to follow. Listen, if you're looking for a reason to not follow any delegated authority in your life, you will find one. Hey, listen, God knew every person to whom he delegated authority in his word, they were not going to be perfect. God could have audibly spoke all of his authority. God could have had angels exercise all authority, but God chose for reasons known only to God to use human authorities who are flawed and fallible. When we're looking for a reason to belittle someone over whom God has given us authority, we'll find one. Now, they're too submissive. They don't have a mind of their own. They won't submit like they're supposed to. They're too dependent on me as a leader. Uh, they're too independent from me as a leader. They're they're just mind-numb robots. Well, they only care about what they think. Listen, if you're looking for a reason to reject a leader, if you're looking for a reason to belittle a follower, you will always find one. That's exactly what happened with John the Baptist. And listen, Jesus was the Son of God. He was the promised Messiah. Every word he spoke was the Word of God. Uh, He never sinned. He did things nobody ever has done or ever will do. And yet they still didn't follow him because... He wasn't what they expected. Some people don't like the preacher. He's too clear. Then somebody else doesn't like the same sermon and preacher. He's not clear enough. Some women are dissatisfied with your husband. He doesn't lead. And then you gripe and complain about what he chooses when he does try to. Some husbands are dissatisfied with their wife, but she's too aggressive and independent. And then you gripe and you complain if she sits back for not doing enough. Hey, listen, most of the time, the problem is not our leader. It's really a problem with God's authority. And most of the time, the problem is not with those who follow or look to us for leadership. The problem is us and what we expect. Hey, we expect those that lead us to be perfect and them them to expect us to be flawed and patient with us. We expect those who follow us to be perfect and then we expect them to be perfect. Listen, for those with problems of authority God has delegated, we just need to be honest. Is a problem really them or is a problem really you? For those with problems with those who are supposed to look to you for leadership, we need to be honest, is a problem really with the way they follow or is the problem that you're not expecting the right kind of follower? You're expecting something that no one is able to give. And this inherent difficulty with all of God's delegated authority in the human relationships, to be honest with you, most people then they just prefer their pets to people. I mean, we don't have anywhere near the problem with our relationship with pets. Hey, listen, you can lock Fifi in the cage for eight hours, come home, and she'll still lick your face. But Christ didn't die for pets. He died for people. And the mark of our relationship with Jesus and the mark of you and I following Christ in our, in our life is our relationships with people, not our dog, not our cat, not our hamster, not our fish. And so what I want to do tonight is I've got five minutes left and I want to, I was going to give you two, but I'm only going to give you one, just a foundational thought. This, we're going to spend several weeks on leading and following an authority because listen, our culture is messed up and it subtly influences us and it messes up our homes. It messes up the Lord's ministry. And so what I want to do, I I have two prepared, I'm only going to leave one for just a helpful thought of, for leaders and followers, Ecclesiastes 7, Ecclesiastes 7, I've had a lot of people to me come and they gripe about somebody said this or that about them, and um, I always take them here. See, Brother it happens a lot where somebody says something about somebody else they shouldn't say. Oh, well, yeah. And then people are so wise, I say sarcastically. So somebody says something in jest and then that dear, sweet, spiritually minded person repeats whatever they said in jest like somebody actually said that about them. I would to God we'd learn how to let the Spirit of God be more in control of what we say. (laughs) But here's a helpful thought for all leaders and followers, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And if these words, the verses aren't highlighted or underlined in your Bible, they, they should be. Verses 21 and 22. This is some of the best practical advice you'll ever get dealing with followers, leaders, people. Verse 21. It says, also, take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. (laughs) Do you see what the wise man is saying? He's be careful listening to everything people say. Because if you listen to everything people say, you're going to hear them say stuff they shouldn't be saying. And then he says in verse 22, he says, and before you get your uh, dander all up in a wad because of what you heard them say about you, never forget what you've said. And <laughs> that's some great practical advice? I, I mean, every leader, listen, when you hear your servant, whoever it is is supposed to look to you in some way for, for leadership, when you hear him bad-mouthing you, uh, l- listen, take no heed. I'm not saying there aren't times when we need to re- shouldn't respond to what's spoken, but listen. Whenever we take all the criticism to heart, we're making a mistake. You say why? Because according to verse 22, we've all said dumb things in weak moments. I, I loved my pastor, but you know there were weak moments when I said some dumb things. You say why? Because I'm flawed. It's the same reason you say dumb things. And so, if you and I all know that in weak moments we say dumb things, why in the world do we get our dander in such a wad when someone else says something about us? If I said, lift your hand, if you've ever said something that you should not have said about a leader or a follower, every hand would be up in this room. And yet, knowing that, we still get our dander in a wad when someone says something. That is a terrible way to handle each other. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to, in the church, you have a lot of false expectations. You you know, you listen to Somebody on the television or on the uh, internet or on the radio or on their podcast and, uh, listen. oh, I just love them. So, you you know what? You don't have to follow their authority at all. You're not any part of any decisions they make in a church. Your own pastor, listen, you have to live. You see my flaws. You see my weaknesses. You, You see where my humanity gets the best of me. You don't see that about them, guys. That's why they seem so much better. Hey, listen, truth is they're just as bad. Everybody's flawed. The same thing's true for husbands and wives. You you know what? That that woman that you look at or that husband that you look at, and you say, wow, they're so much better than the one I had. The only reason you think that is because you don't know them as well as the one you got. And if you knew them as well, well, you know what you would learn is maybe they don't have the same exact flaws, but they've got the same amount of flaws, just in other areas. Same thing with parents and children. You know, I, 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 I don't understand, why, why do parents forget what it was like to be 13? 13. You you know, you knew what kind of a a monkey you were at 13. And yet you think that you parented them so much better than your parents that they're not going to be immature at 13. And it causes all this conversation back and forth and people to say things they don't mean. And I I just want to say to you tonight... This is really hurtful for all leader-follower relationships, and we need to put a wrap on it. What do you expect from me? What do you expect from others who look to you? What do you expect from your husband or from your wife? What do you expect from your parent, from your children? Is it reasonable? Listen, it's so easy as a leader to forget the humanity of those who follow you and to remember that, you know what? You've did some really dumb things as a follower yourself. Take it easy. You know, it's very easy if you're a follower to think, wow, they're flawed. Of course. Yes. My hand's up. Too many people are way too dissatisfied because you've created expectations for leaders and for those who look to you that no one can meet and we need to remember this and I'll stop if you'd stand and bow your head close your eyes